This is the I Don't Care If You Listen podcast with my mom, Shawnee, Auntie Bianca, and Auntie Shante. Thanks for listening. Happy 40th birthday to my dad. You are thicker than a snicker. Happy like a Chevy. Come here, little mama, let me rub up on your belly. Hey, 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 hey. It's the I Don't Care If You Listen podcast. I'm Shalini. She's Leonica. We got a girl, Shantae, in Milwaukee joining us. Feeling pretty lucky about that. We were talking about cops, and I've been feeling this strange uh, shift in the universe with all the talk about around uh, law enforcement. And one of the things that I struggle with with my father-in-law being a retired cop is, you know, I know there's good ones, I know they're nice ones, but then there's that piece of me that's a little concerned that all the good and nice ones weren't telling on their not-so-nice ones. And I know, Shante, you had some information about um, the police brutality issue, and it's not broken down by race. You have, like, general what's happening in the general across-the-nation police force. Yes, these are numbers that I got from the Bureau of Justice Statistics. Okay. In terms of mapping police violence. Okay. During the time period of June 2015 through June of 2016, um, there was a 10-month study on arrest-related deaths. Um, So that's 1,348 for the entire time period, which is broke... if you break it down, that's 135 per month. And breaking it down even further, that's four arrest-related deaths per day. That's huge. That's huge. In my assumption, it's easy for me to say that the bulk of those numbers are from the African-American community. Yeah, most likely. I mean, Um, yeah, that's... So you have a vantage point of working closely with law enforcement professionally. So, I mean, as an African-American woman whose brothers are probably adversely affected for the most part. And that was the best summer of my life. Um, We were second response to domestic violence calls. I was a social worker. This was my first job out of school. Um... And we rode around in a police car with the police all day for our shift, responding to domestic violence calls. We were not first response because first response went in to secure the scene. We were second response. And when we went in as social workers, not only were we there to provide resources, but we also um, provided empathy and just some common compassion um, during that situation, but we also took forensic and uh, forensic data. We took pictures. We took pictures of their wounds. Uh, we took pictures of the state of the house. If we needed to, we were able to talk to the kids and to have to try to de-escalate and to try to calm them down as well in those types of situations. I mean, we even had to go to the hospital where we saw, you know, a man that had just shot his wife in the face. So it's like. Mm. I respect what they do, but I also know that in conjunction, working with civilian teams work. Now, granted, that program ended and they never did bring it back. But to know that what we started in terms of trying to really advocate for victimless prosecution and domestic violence situations, they still use our stuff. 
in the Milwaukee, in Milwaukee police. When they respond to a domestic violence call right now, they still use the documents we use to document uh, any wounds or bruises or, or just to really document the damage so that whether she, you know, participates in the prosecution of, of the offender, we could, the, the state can still pick up the case and pursue it. But I had fun with them. And I was working with two black officers in the same concerns that we are talking about right now. We were talking about, I don't hate to tell my age, but we were talking about this years ago. Writing with them gives me a different perspective because it's like, I know, I know there are some police officers out there, black police officers who want to do or say whatever, but they, they fear their own fucking safety. They fear their own lives every day. How can you be off duty? You off duty as a black man, as a black cop, and you still get racially profiled. Right. You don't get to take your skin off. Out the car, (laughs) mind you, take you out the car, and and damn near handcuffs before you able to show them that they're I'm a cop. Here's my badge. Lee, I think you and I have talked previously on uh, the podcast about having a different understanding of norms in different communities. And for a white social worker to walk into an African-American home and try and determine what's normal, not normal, right, not right, has its flaws, has its issues, has very big issues. And we've talked about the sensitivities to that, that you've got to have. Leonica, you've had um, experiences working hand in hand with law enforcement to secure families and stuff in your career too, right? Of course, in all different aspects and capacities. What's happening in Grand Rapids? Like this is check-in time. What's happening as far as the protests and what's happening in Milwaukee as far as the protests? I mean, I I feel like there's things changing. There's big things changing. Here in Grand Rapids, they um, had meetings with the police department and the police department identified, I think, 16 policies that they're going to change, including not um, banning the chokehold and not shooting at moving cars. When? This is a win. Part of the Can't Wait campaign that Obama pushed during his candidacy candidacy or his uh, time in the White House. The whole concept of defunding the police, I feel like, is another bad name, similar to <laughs> to global warming. Global warming doesn't actually mean hot, heat. Like, it, it has a, a, a much more in-depth meaning than just warm earth. Like, it's bigger than that. Likewise, defunding the police means shifting those resources to other things. Because let's face it, when the cops are that prepared and your your medical teams state to state are not prepared for a pandemic and the cops are... Did I mention the bayonets? The the army is ready with bayonets, by the way. Did you, Bayonets. Knives at the end of ends of guns. That's what they're ready to use against protesters. That's what Trump's got them packing in case they have to come out. Knives at the ends of guns. That's a thing. You got generals apologizing for taking part in photo shoots. You know, we're very insens- insensitive to protesters and things like that. I really don't see, see our military turning on our protesters with bayonets. I, I don't either. 
I don't either. I hope they come. I hope whoever is in charge comes to their senses and instead. I mean, I feel like it's taken them a long time. General Mattis, all these generals that are talking now, like, where have you been? Like, this craziness has been going on for a while. I'm glad that you're here now, but where have you been? Hello? Like, dude has his, his finger on the red switch and you guys are letting him be crazy in there. Crazy. Crazy. Um, That's the part that's scary. And I know we were talking about how I was like, oh, Shell, you may be exaggerating a little bit about the whole we won't be able to vote and, you know, this becoming an authoritative state. I had to go back and apologize because it's like, <laughs> I don't want to be right. Tay, I did not want to be right. They came in and cleared that area outside the church and at the park, Lafayette Park. Lafayette Park, yeah. And I was just appalled. That was so hard to watch. That was so hard to watch. is trying to deliberately kill us. And I'm saying it. Be careful. Tell me about... On the I Don't Care If You Listen podcast, Shalini here, Lianica there, Shantae in Milwaukee. Tell me about how, why, where, in what universe it seemed like a good idea for him to have his first rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma, amidst a pandemic, on Juneteenth. Of See, course he did it on purpose. He's trying to incite a civil flipping war, y'all. A civil flipping war, bayonet style. He is trying to kill the black people. I hope you black guys didn't eat Popeye's chicken sandwiches. I didn't eat Popeye's me? chicken sandwiches. Did you eat Popeye's chicken sandwiches? I refuse to eat Popeye's chicken sandwiches because that's a conspiracy. Oh, oh, Call me a conspiracy theorist. They're trying to put everybody out there, make them protest, and feed them Popeye's chicken sandwiches, and everybody's going to get it. Let me tell you why I say this. Let me tell you why I say this in, in, in a way that I'm saying it because I'm saying it for a The minute they found out that the coronavirus was affecting the black and brown communities the most. They didn't care. There was this whole big outcry to open up the economy or to open up the country. Then, once again, we see another black person being killed Mm -hmm. by the state. And I say the state. What else are we supposed to believe? We can't protest this way. We got to protest that way. One way, <laughs> everybody is down on their knees and kneel. And we can't break windows. So how are we supposed to protest? I don't know, but I hope we that... We put arms and... Uh, Kumbaya. <laughs> Kumbaya and Selma, and Selma again. Well, that's the thing. It's all these people who quote Martin Luther King and who talk about Martin Luther King. People were mean to him back then. They killed him. Like, they they did not follow and listen to what he said. Don't pretend like you guys were reverent of that man when he was alive. You were not. Don't give me that nonsense. And the fact that they keep keep saying that systematic racism don't exist. The fact that you even have the audacity to say that is proof that it does. True Injustice documentary. Definitely watch it. I don't care if you listen podcast. Um, NASCAR has banned the Confederate flag. To me, that is a big, big, big deal. 
huge, huge and deal. You wonder why black people don't go to NASCAR. <laughs> the they probably designed it that way. Message that an entire community of people is going to get from that. I really hope. I mean, I used to talk a little trash about Darius Rucker because he went country. Darius. I Love know. Him. But the more and more I think about it, I hope we start seeing all kinds of black country stars. As a matter of fact, I hope everybody in the White House has black babies. All of you. All of you. Every last one of you. Have two and three triplets. That's what I'm hoping happens. Like a straight up, you know, open it up. NASCAR, what's next? NASCAR takes, who's next? Are they, are they going to make a real apology to Colin Kaepernick? Is he going to get a real, oh, no. real apology? But they did just donate an obscene amount of money towards uh, ending systemic racism um, over the next 10 years. Who, the so, NFL? Yeah. Yeah, the people who write checks to but millionaires. They have not apologized <laughs> to Kaepernick. They ain't gave him a job either. Right. They not. They need to make him Roger Goodell's replacement. They need to put him high up in the decision-making at the table. They, that's where they yeah. need to put him. This, yeah. um, So that's good. Voting in Georgia was a mess. Voting in Georgia was a big mess. And I think that some people are saying it's a sign of what the election is going to look like. Just this giant cluster. In the state of Wisconsin, they purged, I want to say, over 200,000 registered voters because they didn't update their address. They're doing that everywhere, though. Registered. They they did that. They did that in Georgia. I know they're doing that everywhere. There was a big they vote. They are trying to kill us. <laughs> I mean, I'm not arguing with you, Tay. I'm not arguing with you. I don't put anything past anybody. I know I shouldn't live in this world of skepticism, but I do a little bit. But, you know, I, I really, I try. I, okay, so I try to be open-minded. Lee, Lee was, made this post about working with white people. I used to have to go in the homes of people who were NASCAR fans in Ionia, Michigan. Right. And work with them to try and keep their kids out of foster care. Right. I used NASCAR as a way to build a bridge between us because I had nothing in common with them and I knew that and they had nothing in common with me and they knew that but we still had a goal to meet. So that's why you're awesome. And that's why I love you. Right. <laughs> I learned about NASCAR. I took a couple clients to some speedways because they had jobs as security guards or whatever. And that's awesome. But, learned all about that culture and taking the RVs and the campers and, you know, all that good stuff. Annika was in the house and. But that's so good. Like, that's such a good thing. I was because on this call. It is about being exactly. open-minded. I know. I know you're right. I know. I And so I was on this call with all, I told you I did that postcard writing campaign. So I met with a bunch of other Democrats and we, you know, sit and talk about writing postcards. But it's really a group of white women is really what it, what it is. I think there was one um, Hispanic man in there, but really it's it's all women. And so I, we're sitting, you know, we get started and I'm, we're sitting and I start, you know, we're all on zoom with chit chatting and we get right, get writing. It gets quiet. And I lift up my head and I'm like, all right, so what's really going on in your world, ladies? Like, tell me, tell me. And you know, so many of them are very close to Trump supporters on a day-to-day -day basis. Like they can work past that 
politic thing. For me, I have a really hard time, if I know that you have an iota of support for him, I have a hard time talking and having good conversation with you because I feel like I'm looking at a paper bag because this is somebody who's not living in the same real reality that I am. So that's why I admire you like finding those ways to bridge because what I learned from them is that they have family members, fathers, brothers who are Trump supporters, so they have to get past it. They have to be... Right. In their minds, they're like, oh, we just kind of, we just kind of. See, at my job, we just had a great conversation about what's been going on and how the riots are affecting everybody. And I was so happy when one of the others stated, we might have to lose some relationships because it's up to us to push it forward. And us, as people of color, let them know, we've always been here. We've always been aware of this. You're just not waking up. These are your people. So now you need to deal with your people just like you want us to deal with our people. They're doing their crazy stuff. So, yeah, I talk to my people about breaking stuff, but you need to start talking to your people about the stuff that you broke that made my people break your stuff. Yeah. Even though those wasn't my people breaking stuff. To me, it needed to happen anyway. I don't care who did it. Yeah. So if it was white supremacists, Thank you. You made your people listen and see what needs to happen. Yeah. If there were really people upset about the cause, protesting, thank you. You needed to do that. Looters, y'all know y'all was wrong. I saw y'all in California. Y'all was wrong. Right. But at the end and of the day, you I, know and I know that the yeah, looting is were, not the highlight. Yeah, the looting yeah, is not yeah. the highlight. But if you're focused on the looting, you're focused on the wrong thing. Because quite frankly, when you see laws changing and things like that happening, that's when you know all of it is working. Exactly. Because really, it's like kids acting out. You blame the kids, you punish the kids, you get on the kids. They act out more and more and more. And that's exactly what's happening to this culture and society. People are yeah. just acting out. And looting is one way that people can take back some power, or at least it feels like you're taking back a little bit of power that they have lost that was stolen from them. And say, you know, aha. They feel like they're setting, making it equal. They feel like this is karma, and I'm setting it in motion. So... or so my last year of college I wrote a paper a sociology paper about cops and how it was an awful show and how it basically supported incarcerating black men for the most part and it basically glorified it it has officially been canceled I'm pretty excited to see that it's something long-running reality show glorified police is canceled the show's 33rd season was expected to premiere on the paramount network on june 15th it's no longer paramount confirmed tuesday it have, have removed it from its schedule oh, as protest no live pd's nope. canceled too what live pd is canceled too yep bad it boys bad boys what you gonna do what you gonna do when they come for you um, the governor here is opening up in fall. Everything's going to be open. I don't know where your heads are at. As a mom, I'm struggling a little bit with it. Like, I I, mm-hmm. I just don't know. Because no having a surge, and I'm worried about y'all over there. Be careful, Chad. is having um, a bit of a surge right now. And I hate to say it, 
I have to be the conspiracy theorist over here, but they're trying to kill us. Because the white people here think it's a-okay to go into a bar, no mask, congregate. They're walking around like there's no virus out here. And and then we what just What about had, the black people, you know, okay? Huh? What about the black people? Oh, we're wearing masks. And it's a consensus. Do not believe them. Don't you believe them? So what? So it are you thinking that? It, do you think that it's going to be an air of don't believe them and stay inside? Is that what's going to happen? Yeah. Well, that's where we are in this community because we know that again, disproportionately, we're the ones that are being killed. So we can't, we can't, we don't trust the authority to try to tell us that okay, go back to normal life. No, there's no that new norm. This is a new normal. My co-workers in Detroit talked about knowing five and six people in their neighborhoods because of COVID. So we had to have a conversation about working with our minority staff because there are certain populations in certain regions of the state that are going to be hesitant when things reopen. They're going to be hesitant to come back to the office and especially hesitant to go into people's homes, especially in high-risk areas. I mean, pretty much every day, I'm looking at my zip code to see how many people are infected here because we're number three in the county. See, and that's, okay, my biggest issue about all of this whole to-do, my biggest thing that keeps me up at night is why is there not one voice? One voice that says, this is A, this is B. This is what we do. This is what we don't. The WHO, um, World Health Organization, I got a text from a friend of mine who was like, look, the World Health Organization said asymptomatic uh, spread of COVID-19 is extra rare. And I was like, oh, I guess that's good news. And so I, you know, put the little thumbs up on it on the text. And not even like, I think, 24 hours later, there's all this news about we don't actually have that answer yet. Who clarifies comments on asymptomatic spread of COVID-19? What's up? What's down? What's left? What's right? Do we keep them in school? Do we not keep them in school? Am I putting my kid in danger? Am I not putting my kid in danger? Do I go to schools and teach? Do I get around other people's kids? Am I putting myself in danger? Am I putting them in danger? What the actual F is going on? Can one person tell me? Not five, not eight, one person. And it cannot be Orange Cheeto Man because he says to drink bleach. He's supposed to put all the gears and the fogs and everything in motion to make it spin. And that's not happening. The governors are, and the legislators have to do that on their own, and it's ridiculous. One of the components of a Republican Party is that they don't want government to be so involved in in day-to-day. In, in -day why don't they know, secede? Then why don't they just go I, take off and be their own country? Go. Like, go. You guys go manage yourself. We'll work under a government that works for the people and by the people. And for the people. Govern government. Govern. That's what that means. To take care of people. That's what this is, just, this is just another way for them to privatize services for the people. It's people in this economy. Where's the concern for them? They don't care about the people aspect of this. But I can't we can't take those chances with our kids. And that's why we gotta use our money wisely. And start investing it a lot more in ourselves and creating entrepreneurship opportunities and 
keeping those dollars circulating in those communities because we got to build power, economic power. Like, we got to start buying land and property. A lot of the programs and policies that Obama put into place, they have systematically many... Oh, yeah. But that's why when you say defund the police, but that's why when you say defund the police and people get all ticked up about defund the police, he's been defunding healthcare. He's been defunding child food lunches. He's been defunding all that stuff. You know, like, so if he's been defunding that, when you talk about defunding the police, talking about being practical, considering where the dollars have been pulled from. Like, come on. I was watching the uh, ABC Nightly News. Yeah. They brought up Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, which is the very next suburb next to where I live. And how, you know, just the disparities in their rest. Now, mind you, Wauwatosa has maybe, like they said, about 5% is African-American. But yet they are 62, 61, 62% of the arrests in that city. Now, there's this one cop, one, who has killed three minorities in the last five years. And he's still working, he right? He never seems to have on a body camera. There's never seemed to be, and they're all justified. One man was just sitting in his car, sleep because he got, he couldn't go home because he was out too late and couldn't go home, so he was sleeping in his car at the park. How did that end up in a death? He didn't break any laws. He wasn't doing anything, yet he died. Why? One young boy was 17, the last one he just killed, running, and you shoot him in the back? Why? There's never a good reason, Tay. That's the thing. And that's why either you got to invest the money that you're spending on all their guns and their wear on some of their mental and emotional know-how. You either got to spend that those funds there or you need to move those resources to where people can deal with all these psychological... Now, mind you, this guy is still employed. That's crazy. He's still employed. He's working right now on a shift right now they give cops a bad name it should be they should have some responsibility to hold <clears throat> these bad cops accountable <laughs> that was thanks dion thanks for I the bu- thanks that. for the bud light burp that was dion or that you was leave? dion no it was dion burping while you were talking because <laughs> that's a bud light burp i know a bud light burp when i hear a bud light burp I'm videotaping this. So somebody that I love the most and somebody that I despise the most share the same birth date. Name that person. Your husband and Trump. Yep. (laughs) Yep. My sweet husband is going to be 40 years old this Sunday and Donald Trump will also be celebrating his birthday. So I would like to uh, take this moment. I'm recording you guys because I asked Leonica to send me a video, but she didn't. She doesn't love me enough. I should tell Chris she doesn't love him enough. But um, so now I'm gonna do it right here. Yeah. <laughs> you guys gotta say happy birthday to my 40 year old husband. Happy birthday, Chris! Happy birthday! Happy birthday, bro! Happy birthday!
to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. Enjoy. Yes. Happy birthday. I'm about to get some mad dog, bro. 2020. Ready, dog. It's a wide-eyed bro. going down. Thank you for that. Yeah, so that's crazy. He's got a birthday, so we're going to celebrate 40, and I'm going to keep the uh, the news off because... Damn, Gemini. I know. <laughs> but see, my husband is probably one of the only white men that I know that I could say would be a good president. He's every damn he understands. every president. damn. He's not a bigot. He knows lots of things. You know, along with people. He's, he knows the history of the Republican Party, the Democratic Party. <laughs> All white people are not bad. No. no. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. One more, we get together. They're gathering together to protest. Protest? Emma doesn't understand. What's a protest? Oh, a, a, a protest is when people come together to show they are upset and disagree about something. They want to make others aware of the problem. Through protesting, people are able to share their feelings and work together to make things better. They make signs uh, like this. Oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm bringing this sign to the protest at the community center later. <laughs> oh. Well, they look upset. Well, are, are the protesters sad? They are sad and upset, and they have every right to be, Elmo. People are upset because racism is a huge problem in our country. Racism? What's that? Oh. Racism is when people treat other people unfairly because of the way they look or the color of their skin. The, the color of their skin? Oh, Elmo doesn't understand, Daddy. Elmo has friends with different types of skin. Oh, and fur, too. Black, brown, pink, yeah. purple. I know, Elmo, but not all streets are like Sesame Street. I mean, on Sesame Street, we all love and respect one another. But yeah. across the country, people of color, especially in the black community, are being treated unfairly because of how they look, their, their culture, race, and who they are. What we are seeing is people saying enough is enough. They want to end racism. can start by learning and talking about what is happening. I don't care if you listen. 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 I don't care if you listen
care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. I was talking about how I thought you were the one who should have become president because you share the birthday, share the same birthday as Donald yeah. Trump. And I was saying how you would have made a better president because you're actually like one of the humans that's actually like, I. But talk to me about being a white man in America right now. Tell me about it. It's so, I'm so curious, Hubbin. Oh. That's all you got? You come on. You're so intelligent. Tell me what's happening. How does how does white man America handle this? Do you feel like you have a responsibility? Remember when I wanted you to wear a shirt that said feminist and you thought it was crazy? Yes. Because you don't just wear shirts. You got to do your actions. I've always just done my actions. But I've never always felt like a white man in America. I don't know. I just... I understand my privilege. I've understood it for a long time. But I'm also the kid who read about other religions when I was in high school, when other kids weren't. But also, I think what you see is the natural white culture is to always make somebody else your problem, to always have somebody on the outside. Say, like, explain that. Okay, so when I was a kid, we didn't have anybody but white people. It was all white. So you can't blame anybody on your problems if there's nobody in your town who doesn't, if everybody looks like you. So the natural shift then becomes... The haves and the have-nots. The haves and the have-nots. Sure, right. And my mom, and one of the things that happened back then is people just didn't get divorced. But I want to know about you now. Getting there, there's stories. So what would happen then is my mom is one of the people who, through AA, mm-hmm. kind of opened her home to people. Mm-hmm. And that included people who didn't look white. Mm-hmm. And so I had natural exposures to everybody. Well, the town did not take kindly to my mom converting an old school down the road from her into a place for people to meet uh, for AA. And so we got shunned a little bit to the point where we stopped going to church. And, like, I learned then that what white people do is they find things like that. And then when they band together, like, that's how they, they blame for Oh, now we've got crime in this society because uh, because the, AA, the, the the blacks from Detroit and Lansing are coming to the AA meetings. You know, they're the lowest. No, you got crime because the white hillbilly down in the fucking trailer park is breaking into houses because he's addicted to meth. We all know who he is. Mm-hmm. We all know who he is. It ain't a secret. Oh, they're the black. They're bringing so, in the the, the wit so, card. No, I go to the IGA and I watch the same white trash. The use same. the wit card. I know who you are. I stand behind you in line. We all know each other's names. That's the thing I don't get. Like all the shit I heard, you hear from people. I'm like, but growing up, I never saw a black person, but I saw all the actions you're fucking saying. Like I did see it. Like you know what I mean. Like like in my town. Do you think that there's people? in your life that you love that are racist? Yeah, I know that. I've confronted them. Do you feel that you've had all the conversations that you're going to have with them about it? Yeah, because we don't talk anymore. I mean, you saw it. Like, I had my brother's wake. I I, I gave it as, as much as I could until about two or three comments in, and then we ended it. To the point where somebody at my brother's wake, after my, like days after my brother had died, literally got in my face about why they, about what I, why I was canceling the party, and I was like, no, you guys are not using the N word here. I get you're all drunk and 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 white people, you're all gonna use it because you hear it in music or whatever the fuck. I don't care. It don't happen. You watched it happen in my basement of my house. Yeah. I was like, I ended it right there. Yeah. Like that's this that I've always been like that, and yes, I lost relationships over it. 
I've lost jobs over it. Yeah. I've lost a lot of, but whatever. My, like I said, my mom taught me. Well, I'm happy about that. To be continued, we'll talk more with my 40-year-old husband. And in case you missed it, here's some highlights from Dave Chappelle's 846. Talk to you next time on the I Don't Care If You Listen podcast. But thank you for listening if you do. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. Why would anyone care what their favorite comedian thinks after they saw a police officer kneel on a man's neck for 8 minutes and 46 seconds? I can't get that number out of my head because it was my time of birth on my birth certificate. I was born at 8.46 in the morning and they killed this nigga in eight minutes and 46 seconds. I watch everything everybody says. I think Candace Owens try to convince white America, don't worry about it, he's a criminal anyway. I don't give a fuck what this nigga did. I don't care what this nigga did. I don't care if he personally kick Candace Owens in her stinky pussy. I don't know if it stinks, but I imagine it does. And if I ever find out, I'll let you know for sure. I'll tell like Azealia Banks, I'll tell. <laughs>